to welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And uh, Penny, I mentioned a little bit in our last episode that you, you paved the way here a bit for our, our topic today. Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm excited. And now, uh, while this is not necessarily something we deal with at quite an extreme in today's times, uh, all of us, I think, who are very publicly halloween people have experienced this in some form or another uh from like our our friends devin and andrew getting accused of posting demonic spatulas on the internet uh to (laughs) me getting accused of trying to raise spirits through people's tv screens by displaying ouija board objects in my decor uh we are of course talking about satanic panic today incredible uh, have you uh have you had anyone come for you uh in this way penny about your your content um, i have not which oh man i feel You're missing out i i'm like i'm not sure if that means that i'm not spooky enough or if i'm so spooky that like no one even thinks that i don't know that i'm promoting the- no one could question it <laughs> oh, this girl is this girl is full full satan <laughs> no, no use in even talking to her i'm kind of surprised for you because especially with where you and i live uh in the the kind of niche of vintage and spooky mm-hmm. i think a lot of us a lot of people come to us for one reason and then get like yeah side, like blindsided of like wait but you dress like you would believe that women belong in the kitchen i, See, I do get that I get, I get the sexist ones i haven't the, gotten no the, like demonic yet. Okay. ones darn well i promise you your time is coming don't worry <laughs> uh but this obviously the satanic panic uh even though we still feel the residual effects of it today the the main height of this was in the 1980s and uh we've been seeing a lot about it in pop culture and media lately Mm -hmm. so i wanted to talk a little bit about the history and and why it happened so uh before before you uh jump in was was this at all inspired by the the oddities expo post oh actually no have you seen that uh is it about the the guys the 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 guy's body no no someone someone um left a review for oddities and curiosities expo Mm -hmm. being like I thought that this was going to be a fun family event and we were assaulted with satanic and demonic products and blah, 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 blah. And they actually made a t-shirt that they were selling that was just like, I came here to be assaulted by (laughs) satanic products. And all I got was this crappy t-shirt. That's hilarious. Which I just love, love, love that reaction. That's that's the only way you got to go when people are are flinging accusations. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, this was actually uh, inspired because I just finished reading My Best Friend's Exorcism, ah, uh, yeah. which has been made into a film for Amazon Prime. And uh, it kind of talks, it, it uses this uh, as kind of a, an interesting way to approach horror. And so uh, I thought I would dig a little deeper, figure out yes, what please. what made people so spooked. So in order to to really talk about about where this came from, we actually have to go all the way back to the 1960s. Uh, Now, of course, people have been afraid of Satan much longer than that. But (laughs) uh, a a big trigger point was when Charles Manson and the Manson cult um, started 
really coming to mm-hmm. media prevalence and uh, the string of murders that happened over the summer of 1969, which kind of brought the occult and specifically the idea of like ritualized killing into the forefront of kind of the, the masses minds. And so it wasn't long until people started playing into this fear that people had and using it for entertainment purposes. Um, the most well-known of this, of course, is The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the novel came out in 1971 and the film uh, shortly followed in 1973. And uh, I, I don't remember if we talk, if you brought this up. You probably did. But uh, this is where we see the overnight shift in the way people view Ouija boards. Yes. Yes, yeah. I think we talked about that in the Ouija episode. Yeah. So um, obviously there is a, a Ouija board in The Exorcist, if you haven't seen it. And uh, people start seeing this as like not a little fun Hasbro game to have in your home, but a calling card for the devil. And with The Exorcist being kind of a narrative that was being sold as based on a true story, people get really uh, get their their heebs jeebed by this. (laughs) (laughs) And the horror films that start to follow take on a lot more paranormal qualities moving forward we get like amityville horror and uh like all these more possession type films mm-hmm. start really taking over the the horror space uh then in 1980 something that really sets off this the next 10 years uh, a book comes out by a canadian author called michelle remembers yes Uh, and this book is supposedly detailing a uh, like a hypnotherapist psychiatrist who puts this woman michelle under hypnosis and brings back all these repressed memories of her being involved in a satanic cult when she was young and uh we get these you know, accounts of everything that happened in the satanic cult from ritualistic sacrifice to uh, priests having to like cut off one of their fingers to prove that they're loyal to Satan (laughs) and uh, all these, you know, things that get people really riled up. Um, Now I'd like to pause here, Penny, (laughs) (laughs) and revisit our killer clown conversation. Hey! Because... 1980 into like 1984 is when this really starts gaining traction and people are like convinced that the devil is taking over society right when let's think about what was happening during the 80s um we talked in the killer clown episode about how these kind of mass hysterias are usually really rooted in people feeling um some kind of cultural angst or societal oppression and that coming out in 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 an expression that basically gives people a place to put that fear and anxiety and the horror of the 80s i think in general was a huge response to ronald reagan yeah and growing conservatism in america um surprise i'm gonna make it gay uh the aids (laughs) crisis is happening you know people are dying people are dying in a really horrific way that we've not ever seen before um and people can look at that thing and blame it on people living their life quote in sin and not being you know uh 
virtuous in some way. Um, so there's a, a lot of nuance to what happened here. Um, but overall, we're going to try to keep it kind of light. Yeah. <laughs> but, but do know that this is, I mean, this is a huge cultural response to um, the, the war that's the moral war that's happening here where people are clinging to past values while other people are experiencing a liberation unlike anything we've seen previously. And so th- there's a lot at play here. Um, but the effects were felt in many different ways. And I want to get into some of the more fun, goofy ways that people claimed the devil was at work. Um, McDonald's panic was a thing. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of killer clowns. I was like, I know some of these. McDonald's was not one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So this was an interesting thing where basically a woman uh, claimed that she saw Ray Kroc, the McDonald's franchise owner on television claiming or like uh, admitting to the fact that he was donating up to 50% of the company's proceeds to satanic causes. That sounds true. Right. And uh, <laughs> what business owner would donate 50% of their profits? Yeah. Like, even if Ray Kroc did worship Satan, like he's not giving his money 10% away. 10% at most, man. Yeah. M- McDonald's is literally like the poster child for capitalism. Like, <laughs> right. Ray's not giving his money to Satan. No. He's, he's buying Satan 12 no yachts. 50%. Yeah. Uh, so this woman claimed she saw this i will say this episode of the show that she claimed to see this on was later re-aired and they were like that didn't happen um however as often these things go this woman told her pastor hey did you hear about this that ray Kroc is giving all of his money to satan and the head of that congregation said that sounds legit and published <laughs> it in their church newsletter having done zero research or fact checking at all Right. And I mean, it is, it is crazy that like at that time, like they, they had to fully re-air the episode to be like, you couldn't like give it a good. Obviously today, if Ray Kroc was like, I love Satan, like that would be in YouTube in like two seconds. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just Google like Ray Kroc Satan question mark and like floods of tweets and YouTube videos. Um, But yeah, they couldn't do that in the 80s so uh he was like you know what i better tell everybody (laughs) that this (laughs) happened so he publishes it in their church newsletter and sooner or later it is in every church newsletter everywhere and mickey d's is getting thousands of letters of people being like hey ray what the hell why are you giving your money to satan uh ray goes very publicly and it's like that did not happen mcdonald's goes so far as to send like message men to congregations to make sworn statements in front of these church congregations that they're not giving money to satan oh my goodness um wild positively wild. wild um and you know that it also plays into of course mcdonald's you know even though it is a, a at its base a restaurant in this era specifically, it's got very childlike like qualities to it that is being merchandised to children. We've got Play Place. We've got all these like fun, cute characters. We've got Happy Meals. So people are people are worried about the children, Penny. Not the chi- Think of the children. Think of the children. 
And so as these types of fear spread, uh, lots of children's shows and children's toys are being accused of being satanic and having subliminal messaging. Uh, This one got me. This is one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my life. Apparently the Smurfs came under attack. Uh Uh-oh. Because, this makes perfect sense, right? Uh, They're blue, Penny. Uh And they have black lips and therefore are made to look like corpses and are a representative of an army of the undead. Oh, all right. (laughs) Sure. I often think to myself when I'm watching the Smurfs, look at all those zombies look at all those zombies do smurfs even have black lips i feel like they have like a blue. black line i guess like, like they have just, like a that's mouth just a drawing that's, that's just, just a mouth. pencil mark but <laughs> pop off like yeah I, I was just thinking i was like i mean smurfette would look fierce with some black lipstick but yeah she i actually wish they would have leaned into that more and that she would have had like black eyeliner <laughs> right a pentagram on her left cheek like, can we turn smurfette into a hot goth babe? <laughs> give her a take her away her white outfit and put her in all black i I love it um but of course the thing that took the biggest hit during this time is a game that both penny and i play the game of dungeons and dragons hey uh dnd was released in 1974 and it at that time already was causing a pretty big stir because of the monsters at play and that players are, you know, taking on roles of uh, actually imagining themselves as sorcerers and people who can cast spells. So people are already a little hesitant. Uh, But in 1979, a 16-year-old college student named James Egbert, and yes, he's 16 and in college, hold on to that information, it's important, um, he goes missing and when investigators are looking for him, his friends mention like, Hey, he, he loves to play D and D like that's one of his hobbies. Uh, at which point the investigator was automatically like, well, he got too immersed in the game and got lost in the underground steam tunnels below the college. That's the only answer to what happened here. <laughs> He was There's only one logical explanation. He was completely immersed and therefore thought he was on a quest. And that's the only thing that could have possibly happened here. Um, I mean, I feel like that would be like a selling point for D and D. And it, and like, it is, just, it is. It's just hilarious. I feel like this happens so much when people are trying to like moral panic about things where they're just like, watch out. This thing is so incredibly rad and cool. <laughs> And you're like, oh, I'm intrigued now. I don't know that I wanted it before, but if you say it's incredibly cool, maybe I should check it out. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's just, yeah, I think the fact about anything, like the more you tell kids not to do it, the more they're going to want to do it. Yep. Like that, that applies to almost everything. Um, But yeah, like, especially in this, like these people are having so much fun and getting way so into a game that they're losing their minds. Like, cool uh so he he did get he gets found he he's lost in these steam tunnels question mark which why do why does a student have access to that but anyway um now the of course the truth of his situation is that this is a 16 year old child who is a child prodigy Mm uh like he's been in newspapers and stuff he's so smart and he 
goes to school, like goes to college away from home at 16. He has a ton of pressure on him. He falls victim to using drugs. Yeah. He's a freaking smart kid with a ton of pressure on him and he has mental health issues <laughs> is, yep. is what happened spoiler alert it's yeah mental illness um but during the investigation where he went missing they really dismiss any possibility of that because they're blaming this game and so this poor child does not get any support or any of the help that he needs and unfortunately a, a year or so later he does end up taking his own life mm. um and that but then People are all too happy then to give attention to this tragedy and use it to further their agenda and say that Dungeons and Dragons made him suicidal. Uh, so here's where this gets freaking wild. And I didn't know this. In 1982, there was a made for TV movie called Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Tom yes. freaking Hanks is the star of this movie. Like before he's really Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Yep, very young. What the hell, Penny? <laughs> have you seen any of this film? I've seen clips. I haven't seen the whole thing, what but yeah, I have, Sam I have heck. Seen, I've seen clips of it. It's wild. Who signed off on this? It is so insensitive. Yep. It is completely insane. Um, basically, the premise of the movie is James, this kid's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, which like that's a, first of all that's a child he's six, he's 17 when he dies he's a minor with mental health issues and then you capitalized on this a <laughs> um who's who's really the the dark forces at work right. here um but yeah the the movie is like tom hanks's character is i mean it's never explicitly said but he's supposed to more or less be james egbert and his friends and he like play D and they get he gets too immersed and he you know like wants to jump off a building because he thinks he can cast a spell and fly and his friends have to like immerse themselves in the game with him to save him and it, it's just positively wild uh so that's happening <laughs> <laughs> so that's a thing it's just so like crazy to me. Like when I'm reading all this stuff and granted we're, you know, 30 years in the future here or whatever, but there are still people who really believe things like this, that like Satan. Oh yeah. Infiltrated this person's mind. And it, it I don't know. It's why it, it, anyway, it's yeah, funny, I mean, but it's not when, funny. haha. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, when I was telling my dad that I was playing D and D now, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, he, you know, was a teen in the early 70s mm -hmm. and was like, yeah, like, I remember people being like, this game's, like, bad news. Like, it can be dangerous. Like, it's too much. And, like, obviously, he does not currently believe that sure. and was just kind of like, haha, wacky, right? But it is, like, <laughs> yeah, it was something that was super, super culturally prevalent. It was just yeah. this kind of vague idea that it was dangerous somehow. And I think, like, I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but, I mean, we both play D&D. I think, like, a lot of us joke about it still. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but then when you really dig into it, I mean, this was some dark shit. Like, people's lives were, like, really deeply mm -hmm. affected by this. And it's crazy how this kind of mass hysteria can take over something like that. And, Yeah, you know. there's even, I remember when 
when I was going going through the phase of the pandemic where I was watching a ton of old episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> yeah, um, there was just a random a random episode about a disappearance, and they were just like, "This boy played a game at college called." dungeons and dragons and we're like seriously pre- like presenting this like satanic panic D theory as just fact. Com- completely seriously as fact yeah. on this episode and i was just like what is happening i will say uh to your point here uh in this year that all this happened in 1982 um dungeons and dragons did make 17 million on selling rule books so <laughs> uh, the panic did not deter Dissuade, people yes. from people uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. And well, it is, it's so, it's so enrapturing and just not just as a, a side note, like mm-hmm. I remember like kind of, I feel like sort of the panic of like our time on this level was like um, computer Potter? games. Oh. <laughs> oh, also Harry Potter. But like, I was thinking more like, I remember there was a newspaper article about someone who was so involved in EverQuest that he, I oh, believe, committed suicide over God, something Everquest. that happened in the game. Runescape. <laughs> right. And I, I literally remember reading that article and being like, shit, I want to play EverQuest. <laughs> I was like, Sign me up. This, wow, this sounds like it must be really cool and interesting if someone can be that into it. Well, and another interesting thing that comes into play here as well that ties back to kind of what we were talking about culturally with, you know, the, the these clashes of liberation versus, you know, more pure, quote, pure culture. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I don't remember exactly what I read. The statistic was literally that something like 70% of people who play, in D, play D&D now identify as being part of the lgbtq community (laughs) yeah um and i think that anything like dnd or i mean think about how many like queer people are in theater and things like that you know like things that give people an escape from their reality are very um welcoming to people who are struggling with their personal lives in different ways Mm -hmm. and so a lot of you know people are like wow it's crazy all these kids started playing a game and then they killed themselves it's like well okay maybe we look at what was forcing them to look for escape you know in in, i think there's again it's so nuanced of everything that was happening during this time but a lot of these uh, young men were probably dealing with a lot of things outside of <laughs> uh, yeah. other stuff. So it's uh, it's sad. It's very, very sad. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's also important, I think, that we like keep revisiting it because we'll get into this. But there are still a lot of ways that this is happening right here and now. Yeah. Um, and I'll so moving away from dandy uh rock music also yes. heavily scrutinized during the 80s um and i mean i wasn't even alive in the 80s but i even i mean i remember being a kid and people telling me that if you played pink floyd's dark side of the moon backwards that you would hear like demons oh yeah so so much so much playing ba- so much backwards stuff i yeah. i want to give uh can i give a shout out Please. to a, a mashup that i really like of course <laughs> So I I was obsessed with this in college. I highly recommend it. Um, It's by DJ Lobster Dust. And it is a mashup of Another One Bites the Dust with like a 
a preacher from TV, like talking about how when you play music backwards, there's secret messages in it. And oh, it's no. just, it, it's lit as hell. So I highly recommend looking I, for that Another One Bites the Dust mashup. I have to imagine that there's probably some drag performers that have used that and I want to see them immediately. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yes. I'll send, I'll send you a link, Midge, yes. after we, after we record. Um, but so there were lots of rumors happening about bands like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin that, and uh, in the early, like, well, in the early stage of the, of this in the seventies. And then in the eighties, of course, we start getting like heavy metal and bands that, uh, were more, I think more, um, loudly playing with the idea Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we're giving stage performances that evoked uh, fear in those who would be afraid of it. <laughs> um, I did, but this I did not know. So there was actually a pretty public lawsuit against Judas Priest uh, after I guess two teenagers had uh, been drinking and made a pact with each other. Um, one of them was seriously injured, and the other did die. And the parents in this situation then we're like well they were both huge fans of judas priest so obviously judas priest told them to do this um and again classic people looking for a place to place blame when they're scared and confused about what's happening not wanting to face potential scary serious things in their own families in their own lives exactly so the parents sued judas priest for 6.2 million dollars in damages um and this is really interesting though they brought in all these like audio experts <laughs> to review judas priest albums um and they you know played them forward and backward at different speeds slowing them down speeding them up and said like there was nothing in there that could have been construed as lyrics hidden or like messages and so that um, basically they go go on record as saying anything you're hearing is just your mind's making sense out of gibberish um and and this is the place where we need skeptics like you in the world penny (laughs) when the when the satanic panic hits we need people to be like your mind is making things up right it's like uh i don't think so (laughs) i don't think that's happening um so they did not, of course, end up winning that lawsuit, and Judas Priest continued to have a career. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the major. Well, it's not all the major by any means, but those are the the things I found interesting to pick out of this uh, area here. So then, I guess I want to talk a little bit about too how we're seeing this today and how we're still feeling the effects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing I think that comes to mind right now is that in Stranger Things, uh, yes. the most recent season, season four, Eddie's storyline is based loosely on the Memphis Three case, um, which happened during the height of Satanic Panic, in which three teenagers were wrongfully accused of the murder of a, of a another person, and basically the only evidence <laughs> at work there was like these teenagers live a goth lifestyle right. and therefore must be murderers. Yeah, um, so I think it, it's been positive in a lot of ways that that storyline in such a cultural phenomenon television show is um shedding light on i mean one of those teenagers was 
like spent most of his life in prison oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. for, for a crime he didn't commit for being alternative, basically. Um, and it, it, it is shedding light kind of in those dark areas about, you know, what what is the true monster? Is it Satan or is it us like turning on each other for being different? Um, I also... Well, like I said, Harry Potter. I very specifically remember there being kids in my school class that couldn't read Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely was, remember that. It was the devil. Um, more recently, Lil Nas X. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which, to be fair, Lil Nas X is also um, to- playing with people. He's trolling yes. people. And I love that about him. I really, I, I have a lot of respect for him as an artist. But uh yeah, the Call Me By Your Name music video. And uh, when Lil Nas X released his his limited edition Nikes that were said to have blood in the <laughs> in the shoe. Um, there it's it's wild to me how quickly we kind of return to this less civilized versions of ourselves, like how quickly people will flip into this mass hysteria. Um not us specifically, but like the way the <laughs> internet will blow up with people earnestly saying that like Satan is taking over. Yeah. It, it's, it's still there. The seeds of what was planted, even though it's not everywhere all the time, like it was in the eighties that it, it never really dies either. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we, the witch trial, we've been dealing with this as humans for generations. And I think it's important for us to take the time to self-reflect and look at these moments so that hopefully it doesn't happen, you know, in the future and that people are not exiled or, you know, hunted because they live a different lifestyle than you. Yeah. <laughs> But that is a, a little bit about the Satanic Panic. This was a little bit more of a serious episode, so I hope you all still enjoyed it. Um, but it's been something that's been on my noggin a lot lately. Um, yeah. Can, like, can I make a, a recommendation if people want do. more info? Uh, so You're Wrong About is just one of my favorite podcasts altogether. Um, mm-hmm. But they have some really great Satanic Panic info. Specifically, um, they have two series I think that were book clubs um, where one of the hosts basically talks you through um, Michelle Remembers is one where she goes in depth and they just talk about the book and then also kind of you know theorize kind of what may have been behind this Um, and then also one called I think the Satan Seller um, which is like a memoir from a dude who claimed who like basically made a living like claiming that he was like an ex member of a satanic an like cultist <laughs> and was like oh I used to do all this wacky groovy stuff for Satan and it's like yeah you, you didn't do that <laughs> yeah so high, well, highly recommend listening to those if you wanna wanna hear um, some more about like this media that was inspiring these kind of feelings for people yes and there's yeah like I said a lot more to it there were things with daycares and all kinds of stuff that I felt were maybe a little too dark for the pod. (laughs) Um, But people were, people were really afraid. And uh, it's, it's interesting how these, these kind of mass things develop and people really, you know, dig their heels in and latch onto things. Um, But as, as proud 
Halloween people who, as far as I know, you are not a conduit of Satan, Penny. Um, and mm. I'm not either. So <laughs> I'll never tell. I'll never tell. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think it's, you know, great that we have these kinds of spaces like the podcast and like our community and everything where we can kind of, you know, live in that space and show people that you can love being creepy and not want to eat babies. <laughs> yeah. I, I can confirm that I have never eaten a baby. Have not yet to this date and not planning on it anytime soon. At least. I do eat a lot of Sour Patch Kids. But... Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, that's that's Satan's way of training you to think it's, it's okay true. It's to true. eat He's something that looks like a okay. person. It's okay to eat a child. Yeah. Oh my god, Penny. You've fallen victim. Oh no. <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you are enjoying our podcast, we would so love to hear about it. You can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast, and we might read it right here, live on the air. I believe we have one to share today, don't we, Penny? Uh, we sure do. Uh, this review is from Mrs. Haley Mack, and it is entitled, Fun, But Make It Spooky. <laughs> and she says, Fun, Witty, and Spooky. This podcast is everything I want in life. Fun topics about all things spooky, creepy, and unusual with the two best friends you never knew you needed. And then she has added an additional five-star emojis for us. So basically, this is a 10-star review. 10 Uh, out of 5. So thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Haley Mack. (laughs) Yes, thank you very much. I'm going to... Well, now we can each have five stars, Penny. Oh, there you go. That works out. You get some stars and I get some stars. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Well, thanks you all for your reviews. We really appreciate it. And if you want to keep up with what is happening here on the pod, you can follow us over on Instagram at Ghoul's Night in Pod. And if you're looking for me, you can find me across all platforms at Midge Munster. And you can find me at Penny Snark. And until next time. Goodbye.